Hey, Sweat Sisters, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. I'm your host, Aisha DeVore Branch, and each week I have a sister to sister chat with an inspiring go getter. And listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. If this is your first time listening, what up? You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with me, and I really appreciate that. If you love what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you get updates every time we drop a new episode. If you got half a second, leave a rating, which will help other sweat sisters in need of inspiration find our podcast. If you have a minute, please follow us across all social media platforms. We are at Pretty Girl Sweat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube. Use the hashtag Pretty Girl Sweat when sharing this episode. And if you have five minutes, please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 24 of the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. And today I'm chatting with Tess Sabaumian Marshall, a race director and Atlanta running community leader. The Indiana native and graduate of University of Virginia has been organizing group runs, training teams, and road races since 2011 through her company, Running Nerds LLC, which offers a variety of road race experiences and has produced and directed over 100 races, large group runs with up to 2,000 participants, and training sessions. Tune in to hear how her health has fueled her professional journey. Hello, Tess. Welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. The sun is shining, so I have no complaints. Yes, been <laughs> shining a lot here the last couple of weeks. Tell me about <laughs> it. I mean, it's not even summer yet, and I feel like we are knocking on 100 every single day in Atlanta. Yes. All right, so it's hot uh, in our city, but I would love to learn more about your journey and your upbringing and where you grew up. Um, so maybe you could share that with our audience. Yeah. I was um, born um, in Gary, Indiana. So I'm, I claim Gary, Indiana as my hometown because um, I was born there and graduated from high school there. But I moved around a lot growing up um, between I lived in Michigan, Minnesota, California, Virginia. And most of that moving around was just, I was the youngest and my mom made all of her life changes during my stint. So um, she went to, to college when she was in her late thirties. Uh, so that was, she was in Minnesota when we, when we went to college, when she went to college. And then when she graduated, we moved to Detroit, um, lived there for a while. So I have two older brothers um, on my mom's side. And then on my dad's side, my father's Nigerian. Um, he had, I think about five children after him my mom parted ways so really really interesting uh sibling childhood growing up but I really felt like the only child most of my teen and adult young adult years because my brothers that I grew up with graduated when I was in the sixth grade so it was pretty much just me and my mom with a great support network from aunts and uncles and grandma and, and cousins and all that. But like I said, we moved around a lot. We landed in Gary, Indiana in my sophomore year in high school. And I finished out high school in Gary and then wanted to kind of get out of state and, and had had fond memories of a short time I spent in Virginia and ended up uh, applying to University of Virginia. So I went to the University of Virginia, Wahoo Wah, completed my bachelor's and master's degree at UVA. So that's kind of my, like, where I'm from, where, where I claim. In terms of my athletic background, I was pretty much a basketball athlete most of my teen years. Played high school basketball, 
you know, I dabbled in like track and softball and things like that just to keep in shape. But basketball was my main. What was sport. your position? I, so I was the three. So I was like that that junk player that could go in uh-huh. and get some rebounds, get fouled, make a free throw. You know, I was never a star athlete by any means, but I was always good enough to make the team and, and yeah. contribute. I played with a lot of really, really great talent. The whole myth of Indiana being like that basketball state <laughs> is very true. Um, you know, a lot of great talent. And I'm from Gary's in the Northwest quadrant of Indiana, which is close to Chicago. So we, we were called the region when I was growing up uh, because we had a lot of great players, particularly in, in women's basketball that came out mm. of our area during my, my tenure there. So a lot of those women went on to play um, at prestigious colleges, WNBA, and you know a lot of them are coaching uh, collegiate and, and professional at this time. Um, but yeah, so you know that was kind of my my bringing up. And, and basketball was my sport. You know, I lived and breathed it. You know, I was the type that knew everything about every college player, every professional team. So, you know, as we kind of get into my story, it's going to be kind of funny to, to see the, the transition. Like I, right now I have, no <laughs> I think the NBA. Yes, players, they are. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like a complete 180 from the first 25, 30 oh, yeah. years of my life. <laughs> well, before you um, really became passionate about basketball, were fitness and healthy eating a part of your early childhood? Well, you know, like I said, I grew up in um, Gary, Indiana, which is a, a predominantly African-American town. It's a mm-hmm. steel mill town that kind of got lost and forgotten. So, um, you know, we definitely had, um, you know, the food desert, fitness desert, all that was, was prevalent. But I was always around... Um, um, basketball and athletic teams. So I would say I had probably about the best situation you could have given my environment. You know, uh, I was privileged to be able to like go to AU tournaments, traveling basketball teams. You know, so we were always very cognizant of, you know, staying in shape for the season. But, you know, we were teenagers, so we ate a lot of fast food. You know, um, a lot of times your your weeknight meals were at the hot dog stands. So you get hot dogs, popcorn, and I had my share of Coca-Cola and Sprite in those teenage years. You know, I think we were as aware as you could possibly be, given that we didn't really have a lot of um, options around us in the environment. But what about in college? Was it difficult for you to balance a healthy lifestyle? Because, you know, you were a high school athlete and then you went to UVA. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, dating could take up a lot of time. Your social life takes a lot of time. And then college is stressful. So what was that like for your yes. health journey? Well, the cool thing about college, and I say this now, is the introduction to the dining hall. So being able to go and have your choice of whatever you wanted to eat every day, like, I don't understand why we don't get that experience <laughs> as adults. Like, it's like the perfect situation. You go to a central location and you got everything you want to eat. So definitely, um, you know, that first year of college, it was great to have a meal plan. I, I remember I had like the max meal plan. I would go breakfast, lunch, dinner, and it was really like a social time too. Like that was the thing I really remember about food, nutrition, and eating. It was like you went and that's where you met people. Um, it was a common, we had lots of different dining hall options at UVA as well as like kind of like clubhouse, like um, small boutique restaurant type options. So I remember eating being very social, having a lot of options. You know, I've always, I have been a fan of you know, fruits, vegetables, that kind of thing growing up. But, you know, we were definitely, you know, never missed a meal. Um, and, and whenever there was an opportunity to 
to um, go off campus. We took advantage of that. It was definitely a very social and really fond memories of you know my eating and, and nutrition experience. And then I got involved in um, the women's basketball team when I was at UVA. I was a manager uh, for my time there. And then we also started a, a club basketball team. Um, and I played on that team for my junior and senior year. So again, kind of exposed to the traveling and being able to be with the team on the road. Um, you know, we had a, a team nutritionist that, you know, I would confer with because, you know, as a, as a female, obviously in college, you always worry about that, that freshman 15, that whole situation. Oh, and um, another thing I guess to mention is I got a job at one of the fitness centers my first year. I think it was the first week of school. I walked in, you know, I wanted to be around the gym. So I would actually go out and work, go work out um, quite often. And a lot of my friends, you know, they would come to me when they wanted to learn how to work out because I, I knew my way around the gym pretty well. I knew how to lift weights, put together a decent workout. And this is before like hit training and classes and all that were a big deal. I would say I was above average when it came to um, incorporating fitness and, and nutrition into my college. But you were also pretty busy. I'm hearing your schedule. I'm like, whoo, okay. (laughs) And time management is such a struggle for most people, especially college students. Are there Mm -hmm. any specific hacks that you use to be more efficient in college that maybe you still even apply today? Ooh, hacks. Let's see. I was always, not as bad now, but I was a very bad procrastinator (laughs) when I was in college. But I was the type that could like cram for a test and then pull off like a B or like a low A. And then, so I didn't like learn my lesson hard until my first, my first semester actually failed chemistry my first year. And I, this is, I came out of high school as a straight A student, third in my class, um, you know, was, you know, received all the the scholarships. So, you know, I went into UVA thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I got this, I'm smart. You know, I'm a great student. And I tell you, that first year, um, that reality check of actually getting an F, and this is back when you had to, like, call oh. to get your grades. <laughs> no, I'll never forget it. It was like a computerized system. You have received a grade of F. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> so that's, that's probably, like, the best hack you can get um, is to, you know, start off your uh, college career below average. So long story short, I got on probation. I had that class in summer school. And it took me about four semesters to get back to um, like a, a 3.0 mm. or 8.0 average. So, you know, learning just how to uh, balance your time. And a lot of that fail came from being too social, thinking I could get away with not really studying for the test. Also learning what my passions were. You know, I quickly also learned that, you know, the sciences weren't my passion. I really started to gear towards okay. the social sciences and then eventually um, changed my major to um, education. So just kind of learning what you enjoy, what you like, what you're going to be passionate about. And then, you know, being realistic about, you know, you got to put time in. You can't just go through college off of your exactly. reputation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you get to graduation day. Um, you know, there's a world of opportunity that you feel is in front of you. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your very first job that you got outside of college. And what did you specifically do to get your foot in the door? Well, um, I went to um, went through the Curry School of Education at UVA, which is a five-year program. So you basically do your undergrad, and then you actually start your graduate work in oh. your junior year so that your master's degree and your bachelor's degree are kind of meshed together. And I, I believe that the University of Virginia's education program is one of the best in the country because we were literally immersed in the school systems um, in Charlottesville and Albemarle County. So when I came out of college, I mm-hmm. felt like I was ready to go into a classroom and teach. I mean, we had 
lesson plan experiences, our placements were um, three to five months. So my first job was actually as a health and physical education teacher in Woodbridge County at okay. Woodbridge High School in Northern Virginia. And um, I came out with a master's degree. So a lot of the, my coworkers were teachers who had been in the school system for 10, 15 years and they had to go back to school. So they were like uh -huh. going to night school while they were working. And I come in as this like 22 year old <laughs> with my master's degree, you know, um, right away. And you know, I learned very quickly. I enjoyed teaching when I was coaching. So I, I coached girls basketball. I was a junior varsity coach. And then I worked my way up to being a high school varsity coach at a different high school. I learned very quickly, like I said, that I enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed bringing teams together, building that community. And I actually started my own um, personal training, like basketball oh, cool. personal training um, company. My first year out of college, I ran a couple of basketball camps and had a couple of young clients that I just kind of trained on the side to help them improve their skills so that they could get okay. prepared for high school basketball. So, um, I mean, I came out, out like right away, you know, I bought my first house within my first year out of college. So, you know, all that I, I give a lot of credit to, you know, my preparation. Now from, did the Curry school, um, Curry school. Um, find the job opportunity for you or you, did you look in so like, I don't know, like the newspaper to find it. Like, how did you know that there was an opening? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we had a lot of career fairs um, in our um, last year. And so all the different counties would come to the University of Virginia's career fairs because our teachers are very, like I said, well-trained, well-sought-out. Our physical education program, we're actually certified K through 12 and adapted. So I really had my pick of jobs. I, I actually was able to choose from a position in Montgomery County in Pennsylvania, and then down here in DeKalb County in Woodbridge. And I ultimately chose um, Woodbridge because I wanted to stay in Virginia. Got it. Okay. And then when you were starting your business, um, how did you go about it? Like, what were the steps that you took? Just in case there's someone listening and saying, oh, this is amazing. Like, how do I do yeah. it? I need some steps. <laughs> it's funny. Well, I mean, well, obviously we'll get into talking about my current business, but I, I really think back on, I think it was just a natural thing. I felt like, um, you know, I wanted to help these kids, these young girls who were middle school aged. And, you know, I was coaching the ninth graders and I saw kind of where the skills needed to be. So I basically reached out to parents of um, the middle school kids and said, hey, you know, if you want to prepare your kids so they can make the team next year, Here's a service that I'm offering. I was working at the local uh, fitness center in my city, and um, so okay. I had access to the courts. So I would block off time so they could come, and we just go through drills and you know really really break down their skill set. Um, and like I said, the camps it was just all about it was just like finding folks and building relationships. I remember I held an overnight basketball camp at mm -hmm. the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> so it was literally like they, the kids got dropped off at seven o'clock. And they stayed all the way until seven o'clock the next morning. And we literally had something going on for the entire oh, 12 cool. hours. And I, I think I hired the, the local high school kids to be the counselors. And it was the young, like elementary and middle school kids that were the participants. Building connections, reaching out to people and then asking the question, hey, oh, yeah. can I host this event? And, and you know, this was pre 9-11, pre Columbine, pre all that. So there was a lot right. more like trust and programming and things like that. I don't know how easy it is to get kid events mm -hmm. approved these days. Um, but, um, you know, I just remember it being, you know, it's a great idea and parents were, were happy to have 
you know, something yeah. for their. Did their you set business. it up as a business? Um, like, you know, like register, I come up with a name for the company and then actually like get it registered mm-hmm. and do all that. So that business was called Challenge. It's called Challenge Premier Youth Basketball. I always come up with these long names. Premier Youth Basketball okay. Skills Clinics. But okay. short challenge. <laughs> and I've always had, my favorite colors have always been like blue and green. Actually, it's so funny. I'm like telling the story and thinking about how things have repeated in my life. Because I didn't end up. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was it was blue and green, and I made up my um, logo okay. on Microsoft Word. Okay, using okay. Art. <laughs> and in a cool font, you know, one of those fonts that. And I remember, like, just I had a color printer, and I printed out um, membership cards, and um, I don't recall going. Through, I don't recall LLCing myself or going through any like appropriate business channels. I oh, didn't okay. open up a bank okay. account though. I opened up a bank account and it was a challenge bank account. I think it was a savings mm-hmm. business account. Yeah. So, you know, those were the most of the most of the But I ran it pretty much out of my nice. um, home office. And um, a lot of my clients were word of mouth and the camps were just, you know, marketing through the various channels. Because I used to coach. The high school and I coached AAU. How did you figure out how much to charge like parents? I worked at the uh, the gym, and I remember um, kind of looking at researching like personal training rates. So I just kind of equated it to that. And then you know, growing mm-hmm. up, I went to basketball camps all through my life, so I knew kind of what the the going rate exactly. was for a basketball camp. And you know, a lot of times the parents would just come out and say, "Hey, you know, I'll pay you twenty dollars an hour to work with my kid." And I was like, I mean, for me, coming right out of high school, uh-huh. this was like a side hustle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Even now, it sounds great. It's <laughs> awesome. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what was the absolute biggest risk you've ever taken for your career? Um, kind of moving past the whole basketball thing, um, you know, just to kind of speed through my 20s and 30s. You know, I coached high school basketball. Um, eventually took a college assistant basketball coaching job at a small school called Oberlin College in Ohio. That led to a head coaching position at Kalamazoo College in Michigan, where I coached for about three years. And then I moved to Georgia. That's what brought me to Georgia. I was the head women's basketball coach at Augusta State University. Um, So all of those were just kind of like big jumps, milestones. I was very fortunate. I was kind of promoted through the ranks um quickly um but i guess the biggest risk would would have been um basically deciding that i wanted to start a a a running group and become a race director because honestly there was no defined career path for it um you know i had been taken up running personally and I was out at these races every weekend and, and making new friends and seeing how cool the running community was. And one day I just was like, you know what? I think I want to put on a race. And so I just started asking people that put on races that I thought put on great races and said, what does it take to put on a race? And I got the same advice. Pick a date, pick a location, market it, tell people what you're doing. So this was 2012, sorry, 2011. And in that process, I was working about four or five part-time jobs just to you know make rent be able to pay my bills. You know, I was single mm-hmm. at the time. It was just me and my dog. <laughs> and I had opportunities to apply for full-time positions and get back into the workforce. And I made a, a decision to not do that because I didn't want to tie myself up with a full-time job and not be able to see this whole like putting on events thing through. So uh, I definitely say that was the biggest risk that I took because mm-hmm. 
you know, it could have not worked out and I could have, you know, anything could have happened. Who knows what could have happened. But once you got it started, what was your proudest moment? Well, my proudest moment, I think I get to have them multiple times because it's thinking of an event. So I'll use um, our most recent new event, which is the race half marathon and 5k. Um, So that was an event that was an, an idea, um, by myself and, and multiple um, running community leaders, putting it out there, getting people excited about it, um, and then actually standing there on race day with 1,500 runners that are there to actually participate in something that you put together and, and put out there. That's definitely um, proud moments, and I get to have that experience every time I put on a race, whether it's a 200-person event or a 2,000-person event, You know, just that someone would see something that I had in my mind and sign up for it, put their money down, you know, plan their their trips, fly in from all over the country, book hotel rooms, get their friends excited, share it on social media, you know, train for it, and then show up and, and have that experience. I take a lot of pride Incredible. in that. So you're an entrepreneur. And with that, you know, you have to be pretty smart about money. What are some ways that you've been able to do that? Uh, well, I take really low calculated risk. Um, particularly with events. So I've always said that, you know, I don't put on events to entertain myself. I put on events that I feel like people want. So I do my due diligence. Like when I come up with an idea for an event, I always kind of vet it either with my running friends or I put it out there on social media um, or I just kind of pay attention to trends that are going on um, in the running community. So, you know, a lot of our races, our run social race series are all events that have Mm -hmm. some type of social aspect to them. And that actually came about because, you know, we were putting on um, events and I would notice that people would run the race, it'd take 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes to run the 5k, but then they want to stay and hang out and sit and, and talk to their friends and have a beer or enjoy the food, whatever it is that we had. So I kind of looked at that and I said, well, this, mm-hmm. this looks like something that people want. So, you know, honestly, the, the biggest, um, you know, way to kind of, take a risk and, and see what, what people want is to just observe the people and, and what they, what they're gravitating to. Um, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of pitches for race events and, you know, I never want to like kill anybody's dream, but I always go kind of go back to them and say, okay, do, do you mm-hmm. have a, a, have you vetted this idea? Because you're not, you don't want to, um, the one th- the great thing about races is that they kind of pay for themselves as they go. You, there's not yeah. a lot of um, front money. And, you know, if you do a good job and you put on a, a great event, um, you don't overspend. So that's another thing. I don't overspend. Then you can have some return right. and then invest it into the next event and then invest that into the next event. And then now you're able to, you know, hire people to help. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just let the events kind of pay for themselves and then reinvest as you go along. Well, since we're talking about investing, what are some ways that you've invested in yourself throughout the years? We've gone come, come to the point where, um, Running Nerds that is, where um, we can pretty much do everything that we need in-house to put on a race. So, you know, I started off where I would have to hire out, you know, timing companies to time our races, cone companies to cone the event. Even a lot of our supplies that we own, we used to rent those supplies or we would get them for one event. So, you know, we definitely invest in a lot of equipment. Um, we own our own cones. We own our own timing software. We own, um, with the software comes, you know, the bibs, that kind of thing. So everything that we 
need to put on a simple 5k, awesome. we own it. That so that's, that's, that's really huge. Cool. Yeah. So any advice for female business owners, whether they want to do what you do or just want to work for themselves, what's the biggest piece of advice you think you could give them? Um, you know, I get asked that a lot and I think some advice that's probably different than what any business owner will tell you is just be, be sure that what you're doing is, is providing a service for others. And I mean, I think passion and, and working out of passion is great, but at the end of the day, if it's not serving a purpose or a need, you're going to struggle more than you probably need to, you know? And that's not to say that if you do have a, an idea that's, that's, that's driven by passion, that it's not a good idea, but just do your due diligence, figure out what that niche is going to be so that you can exemplify your passion and it'd be a smart business move for you as well. You know, right. I always say that if people mm -hmm. stop signing up for races, then I'll stop putting them on. It's that simple. I'm not going to just keep, you know, beating it over the head, like, you know, <laughs> any kind of event. You know, we're not at that point right now, but I'm realistic enough to know that it's how our society is. We're a very trendy society, you know. Um, so there might be some need for adjustment. So I guess that's another piece of advice. Just be ready to adjust. Plan going in might not be the same 10 years from now. You might have to make adjustments to the times and the, the needs and the wants of the community. All right. Well, now it's time for rapid fire questions. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. We're going to speed through these really quickly. Um, first question is, which app on your phone do you use the most? Uh, definitely the social media apps because I uh, communicate with our audience and with my family and friends. So um, Facebook, Instagram, um, but one uh, practical app that I would recommend is the Digit app. I don't know if you've heard of that app, but it's one of those apps that kind of automatically takes money out of your existing bank account as a savings. So it's like passive savings from your own money. Um, so I highly recommend Digit. I've been doing it for about three years, and it's been cool like just to see that build up. And it's money that you you just don't even miss it. You know, they take fractions of your bank account every. Every oh, day. great tip. Thank you. Okay. What's your favorite book? Uh, I'm currently reading the book about H.J. Russell, who's a famous, prominent Atlanta builder. So I'm reading um, his story, trying to learn more about his history. But another book that I love is the whole uh, Pat Summit, who's a mm -hmm. legendary women's basketball coach from the University of Tennessee. Uh, I loved all her books, you know, not only as a basketball coach, but just, you know, as a, a person, you know, trying to make an impact. Okay. What's one small thing you do each day that makes you happy? Um, eating. <laughs> <laughs> I love, it's my favorite part of the day is eating, sitting on the couch with my husband, catching up on the day. Okay. So, How many hours of sleep do you get each night? Usually seven to eight. Okay. I'm pretty good about getting sleep. What's one way you make fitness fun? Doing it with friends. Okay. How often do you work out per week? Um, if I'm not training probably two to three days a week if I'm in training, four to five. Besides running, what is your favorite workout? Uh, I like swimming and uh, going to like a good spin class or a hit class. Okay. What's always in your gym bag? Good wipes. Okay. All right. What's one thing that can make or break your workout? Um, workout traffic. <laughs> I have to sit. If I have to sit in a bunch of traffic to get there, it just yeah. Uh, uh huh. <laughs> what do you think your life would be like right now if you weren't working out? Uh, I'd probably be overweight, unhappy, probably have all kinds of medical issues, and no friends. There we go. <laughs> all right. What is a meal you typically eat before working out? Um, I keep it simple before working out. So like a banana, a bar, or like if it's like a race morning, I'll usually eat like oatmeal. 
Okay. What about after a workout? Anything, everything that's in sight, pizza, burgers, pasta, beer. I love beer. <laughs> well, those all sound like a cheat day meal. <laughs> I mean, would, you, would you eat that on a cheat day or something else? Uh, I don't really believe in cheat days. I just believe you got to eat in, in moderation, mm-hmm. everything in moderation, and then, you know, be okay with enjoying food. Okay. So I'm, a, I'm a big foodie. So what's your go-to beauty product? I mean, something that if you were about to get on a, fl- a flight and you realized you didn't have it, you would go back home and get it. earrings and eyeliner. I always okay. have earrings on and I try to wear eyeliner every okay. day. What's your favorite deodorant? Um, unscented. I like just basic unscented deodorants. Okay. And when you hear the words, pretty girl sweat, what do they mean to you? Basically that it basically tells me that it's okay to sweat and, and your health and your beauty can coexist. That's, that's really what that means to me. And I absolutely love the platform, but it's okay to, to be a woman and sweat and, and take care of your health. Thank you. Thank you. Well yes. said. All right. What's next for you? So running nerds, which is my company. Um, we have a race series called the run social race series, and we are, about to embark upon our third event of the series, which is the Monday Nighter 5K, 10K, and Kids Race at the Monday Night Garage. So I'm not sure when this is airing, but this is um, that race is on June 17th. It's on a Monday night, hence the name, the Monday Nighter. Um, and then we've got uh, the Peachtree Road Race. We're going to be um, promoting the race half marathon and 5K at the Peachtree Road Race Expo. So um, that makes for a pretty big month for us. That's the Peachtree Road Race is... Um, and it's 50th year. So the race itself, the expo, everything, it's just going to be a really fun time to get the word out about um, really all of our events. But we're going to be promoting the race and the Run Social Race Series pretty heavily there. Well, we're so excited to check out the Monday Nighter yes. on the calendar. We will be there. And I'm so happy I got the chance to speak with you and learn more about your journey because it was definitely an inspiring one to hear about. So. Until next time, keep running. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you again for everything that you do for the, the fitness community. Um, it's just a great platform. And we, as women, appreciate what you do. Thank you. That means the world to me. Thank you so much. And that's Tess. To learn more about her and her upcoming events, check her out on Instagram at runningnerds, at the race underscore UC, and at Run Social Atlanta. You can also find her on Facebook at Running Nerds at The Race and at Run Social Atlanta. And don't forget to visit her websites at runsocialatlanta.com and theraceuc.com. Join us on Saturday, September 14th for the third annual Pretty Girl Sweat Fest Atlanta. Grab your squad for the ultimate sweat sisterhood fitness festival. Register to receive exclusive access to elite trainers. Because with heart-pumping workouts coupled with the dopest female DJs, you'll get a first-class ticket to your favorite fitness trends and hit songs. When you're not sweating it out, you can rehydrate at our SIP stations, refuel in our Saver Garden filled with deliciously healthy food trucks, refresh in our Style Lounge, and shop in our Vendor Village. Head on over to prettygirlsweat.com PGSF to get your tickets today before they're gone. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's prettygirls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover 
that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.